0: There's nothing quite as off-putting as a man in his 50s who you don't know, without a towel, doing the Captain Morgan pose, trying to strike up a convo with you in 220 degrees. I hate You're to try not to look. <laughs> but I'm just a boy. What's a boy to do? You know? Hey, take Hey, Captain Morgan, which put the mouse back in the house. This is a family sauna, so at least this when I have to myself, it's just kind of like not super hot. You got to stay in there for like an hour and just dehydrate. Well, mm. yeah. go. Oh. All
1: right, I'll do PG version now. But oh, I got that all on tape. It's good.
2: <laughs> Sound check. I
1: what are your qualifications? Ah, well, I didn't really are. I'm graduate of Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills.
0: I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I
1: can do this all day. The Matt Sodnica Podcast. everybody, welcome to the podcast. This is Matt Sodnikar. Thank you so much for listening and this is a unique experience for me because it is an in-person live podcast and it's been just actually over a year that I had done one and it was with these two friends of mine here, uh, Quinn Brett and Joshua Stevens. We're going to be talking about the Wings of Life Relay coming up next month up here in Estes Park. And with that, so good to see both of you again. Yeah. Thanks for coming up, brother. Oh, anytime. (laughs) I'm going to push that closer to you. Yes. Awesome. So um, second year for the relay, but I want to reset for everybody that may not have listened to the other episodes. What is going to be happening next month?
2: Well... Josh and I are doing our second annual uh, Wings for Life run with our own spin on it. So this is a run that happens every year across the globe for raising money and for people with spinal cord injury and raising money particularly to do spinal cord research. Um, but we are doing our own spin. Josh and I are moving for 24 hours around our town of Estes Park. So last year Josh ran around Lake Estes for 24 <laughs> hours and I hand cycled around Lake Estes and uh, in really shitty weather because this event is in early May and so we can't control the date. Uh, But we're gonna do it again and with a few changes and hopefully a little bit more crowd because as you know, last year was the start of COVID so we weren't necessarily raging like we wanted to be.
0: Yeah. Have you submitted that uh, memorandum for request to Noah uh, regarding <laughs> not having sideways freezing rain for eight hours? Because that was a treat. It I was. really enjoyed it. Yeah. It was the best stuff to run in.
1: <laughs> so uh, you're not doing laps around the lake this year?
0: <clears throat> it is our hope <laughs> <laughs> that the uh, powers that be behind the. Uh, the scheduling gods for the high school track in Estes Park uh, approve or request and that uh, the oh. event will be uh, it'll be kind of a bifurcated event which is great because um, Quinn as, as you know has got that really cool series of, of trikes uh, she's promised to bring out her trike gang mm-hmm. um, we've tried to limit how boring it is watching a man run around in circles to a more controlled circle so to get off concrete in a 3.1 mile loop and onto a track uh, in our local community high school that has kind of stands in an infield where the, the community can be co-located and kind of be more present and be part of it um, and uh, you know obviously the the runner um, hopefully will sustain a little bit less impact. Injury on that. So if that's approved, we'll be doing it at the uh, at the track. If not, we'll reprise 2.0 <laughs> back out around that idyllic lake concrete path.
1: <laughs> you don't sound super enthused about that. <laughs>
0: the heart wants what the heart wants, Matt, and I want that track. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, let's dive into the mentality of that for just a second. So, how do you approach 24 hours? on a 400 meter loop versus <laughs> 24 hours on a 3.1 mile loop. I, I could tell you which one I think would suck worse. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, luckily I won't be as contained because my they don't want our bicycles on the track. So, and my intentions were to just bring up the trike gang and like check into um, the track. And there's so many paths around town that my goal at least is to like mob the town with all of our fancy mechanical devices us hand cycling and doing whatever and then check in on josh on the hour every hour um but he'll be the more contained hamster wheel
1: as if anybody contain can contain either one of you (laughs) (laughs) she'll be able to hear the sobbing from not far. (laughs) so have you done the math like what's your distance record for 24 hours and how many have you done the math on how many laps that could potentially be not good at math, but uh, <laughs> my my 24-hour record
0: is 121.3 miles on a treadmill in Boulder. <laughs> and that was as exciting as it sounds. Um, it, you know, my fastest time for 100 is somewhere like 15 hours and 30 minutes or something. And, you know, I think, honestly, um, these events, I don't really run a lot of calculus. I don't... <clears throat> Because it's it's a it's for something far bigger than me. I'm literally just a cog in the wheel. I don't mean that to sound like you know um, you know to invoke false modesty. It's 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 I'm not, I'm gonna go out there and try to do my best. I've got a series of races I, I still need to to attempt to participate in at a high level uh, in in the remainder of the calendar year. Uh, so yeah, I think. Anytime I do do uh, an activity or an endurance event for something far grander than me, I just try not to suck. And that's the, that's the, if you can convert that into empirical or metric, Matt. It's like whatever doesn't suck. If I can go over hundred again this year, then you know that's pretty rad. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think um, if I can come away with it, and um, we've taken. Uh, what we did last year and exponentially grown it then that's the real intrinsic value uh,
1: but i always try to put up a big number <laughs> so how much does that help when you're doing it for someone else
2: mm, that's a good one i mean it's always like this endeavor is beyond us so it, it i don't know it, it feels better, I think. Like I just did a big bike ride recently and I don't know, I felt selfish and like I should wait for my friends. I should yeah, which is new. Maybe a new Quinn thing since my injury.
1: It's you know, why so, did you feel selfish?
2: Um <clears throat> because it's like how important is like me posting my best time or my best miles? like if I wait for a friend and make sure that they're okay, I'm going to be 20 minutes slower, but I'd rather make sure that they're okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. At the, at the risk of, uh, sounding like a a big old marshmallow. uh, (laughs) I, I've, I've found in in, in recent years that anything that really means be anything that carries value or merit or worth with me as a runner, as an athlete, um, has to be executed by, with, and through something greater than myself. I mean, I've I've only been doing this competitively for about six years, but I, I'll tell you, at you know, at age fifty with some life experience, I, I had really lost interest in just running for the value of how I end up in a race. You compare that against twenty four years in the military and um, you know other endeavors. It's not that I'm not passionate about it. I, don't, I it's I love it and, and I work hard at it, but it's still generally just running on dirt fast <laughs> as you can, right? Um, I've really found you know, um, true validation in worth, in value, in running for causes bigger than me. <clears throat> but this one is the most important because it's not ethereal. It's not ephemeral. It's I am running. You know, I've run for uh, nonprofits that support substance use disorder and, and, and a variety of different uh, things that are they're bigger than me. But I get to run now for my friend. And I told you that last year mm-hmm. is that spinal cord injury research has a face for me, and it's Quinn. You know, and there's there's nothing more valuable than to run for someone that you care about and you love that has a real um, there's a real impactful outcome, yeah, and it's not uh, hypothetical. It's not theoretical. It's it's you know for someone, um, and that you know that's worth that's worth all the all the left hand turns I'm fixing to do. <laughs> I may mix it up
1: halfway through, but you should. You're going left. Not a Namby turner. Okay. <clears throat> all right. Yeah, I was trying to yeah. think to my track running days a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. And, and I do the, the bike MS and am pondering that again this year. And I've got a friend who benefits from the, he doesn't have MS, but the medicine that comes from that research. And so when I'm out there on that ride, I'm thinking about him and you know, there's some other, you know, subtext along with that ride. But yeah, it, it definitely, it impacts me as well. It definitely makes a difference nice I think in in terms of being able to
0: to sustain those kind of efforts you have to draw it from somewhere um I think you know maybe as a younger athlete it's easier to draw it intrinsically uh yeah um but yeah i i I can't speak for Quinn, but she and I were on a different interview earlier this year, and uh You know, without giving up a ghost, we're definitely more of the elder states people in in this field and, you know, mountain athletics. And they don't want to dismiss the value of of how athletes measure themselves, whether it be Strava segments, whether it be placement at a race or um, the speed in which they can they can complete a particularly difficult climb. Quinn and I have a far different experience uh, when you juxtapose that against mortality and uh, I you know I I'm interested in using whatever limited gift uh, a higher power gave me to run uh, and um, what Quinn's been you know the blessing from her accident is that she's become, such an extraordinary and exceptional advocate for uh, differently um, differently skilled athletes, and still gaining access to our state parks, and still doing what she she did, just in a different way. And it's hard to go back and say, "Oh, I really care about this time." That's what's going to get me through this run. That's what's going to get me through this low point. Um, is maybe more sponsorship <clears throat> money or like. That stuff is irrelevant, largely irrelevant to me Um, when all you have to do is look across, uh, you know, and and see someone that you care deeply about whose life fundamentally changed on one day in October in 2017. And if, you know, if I ever lose sight of that when I'm... (laughs) You know, whining and sniveling at three in the morning and they're taking my wet clothes off me like an infant and putting warm clothes on me. Like I go to those spaces. I go to those places and that, you know, and that's that's what drives me not to suck.
1: And just for frame of reference, as this is episode three, I'll just send people to the links on the website to listen to episode one and two with. Quinn and Joshua. We're not going to define who Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia are here today. There's a little bit of homework for the listener, but it's a great analogy, very compelling. actually. So. It's a great analogy, actually. <laughs> and that means I'm Han Solo. Ooh. You are definitely the stud, ma'am. Oh. So, Do gooder. <laughs> so, one of the questions I had from my friend Kristen that I wanted to that uh, she wanted to wanted me to explore with both of you, was talking about the concept of bravery. And um, that can mean, you can answer that in any context that you see fit. Being in the military, climbing pre and post accident. And that, I guess I would just ask how you would define that. And then I would also want to know, what was a time when you felt particularly brave? Hmm.
2: That's a unique question for me because I don't ever really connect myself with being a brave person or I see that as a trait of mine. So I might have to pawn that off to Josh and let me think about what that, what does brave mean to me, I guess, and what have I done that's brave? Hmm. Yeah, I think
0: it's Kristen that asked the question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think... Immediately when you posed it, Matt, I started to to parse out, suss out the difference between what courage and bravery is, oh, if, good. if there if there is such a thing. I think, um, for me, there there is certainly a discernible difference. I was always considered, or would like to think, and believe it to be the case that I, you know within the context of the military, for example. It's something that most people can associate with, at least, you know, through friends and family that they've known who've served or films or, or what have you. In a traditional sense, I've always been brave. Like, I never, uh, I was never worried about my own uh, well-being in, in combat. I uh, never shirked. Uh, a mission or an opportunity that that was fundamentally dangerous courage to me is is significantly different courage uh required me to face the things that i wasn't innately good at or well prepared at Uh, dealing with addiction dealing with the breakdown of a marriage dealing with um the social anxiety that comes as a byproduct of ptsd or those i deal with courage much more uh now in the years that i've retired than i deal with with bravery i was always able to jump out of planes and fast rope and to get into gunfights and you know survive you know a few people who try to blow me up even i know i'm a kind guy why would you do that but Those, those things were just a, a rather a second nature. I, I didn't learn courage until I had really suffered, and that was um, kind of in those fallout years after I retired and was in the process of reintegrating.
2: That strikes exactly when I passed it to you and was thinking about bravery. I was like, but like maybe my physical endeavors, maybe people see that as bravery. But for me, this spinal cord injury, I don't see me being outside or me – returning to hand cycling or trying to be an athlete again as brave, but I definitely internally things, right. Like this suffering that I've gone through has definitely taught me to be more courageous with traits within myself that I'm, I would never have done before. Like I have to ask for shit now that I don't like asking for. And it takes a giant swallow of a pill to finally be like, no, I need that. And I need you to be attentive to that. Um, and that's not in my personality. That was really difficult. So that, I think the courageousness j- jives more with what, yeah, I like that phrase, Josh, of having dealt with suffering and then learning how to be courageous yeah. and learning a new way, a new path.
1: What's been the hardest thing you've ever had to ask for post-accident? Mm.
2: Um. Well, two things. One, like injury-related is just like needing help to go to the bathroom for instance like and when I was first injured in the hospital like I didn't even know if I had pooped myself because I can't feel it couldn't smell it had no idea I was laying in my own shit so asking for help in that regard um but then emotionally like caring from the person I was before to the person I am now is was still and is still like relationship help like somebody who I've somebody who's always wanted to be married and never have been and always just kind of like didn't want to put that pressure on the people that I was with. So I never asked or never mentioned my needs in that way or my desires in that way.
0: I'm I'm going to force my way in here for a second because (laughs) uh, I've waited for, you know, over a year to now find the best way to define that moment where I'd started doing some research on you. And I think, I think I've seen your most courageous moment and Mm. I think I had met Quinn, met on two occasions. One on a out, a, an outing in the winter, like December of of twenty nineteen. We we met by by chance through some mutual friends out on. It wasn't Nymph. It might have been Emerald
2: Dream Lake. Dream Lake. Yeah. Dream
0: Lake. Right, uh, which is as beautiful as it sounds, uh, particularly in the winter. <laughs> and I met Quinn briefly, and then. We had circled back uh, through some mutual friends and met at a dinner at Burden Jim Restaurant, uh, and we we'd kicked around an idea of, of because of our you know our our personal involvement with spinal cord injury, and we just bandied about the idea of what we did last year, you know, uh, and uh, so I went back. and I started doing my homework. there's a heap of stuff you can find on Quinn uh, on a variety of different media outlets. You can find well-written stuff from Outdoor and Patagonia. Uh, But I sifted through all of that stuff, and I found this interview with her, I believe in Denver, uh, not long after the accident in October 2017 and you could tell it's kind of prescripted this female um uh uh, interviewer was is teed up to basically uh highlight all of Quinn's extraordinary accomplishments in the recovery process within that short time frame which is basically the hero story which we get chucked into quite a bit which is she's doing these things better than any other man or woman and and Quinn and I, generally that stuff is nonsense and it's it's prescribed by someone who wants to sell a story a certain way. But Quinn completely went off script and just was human. And uh, I will <laughs> never forget her being interviewed. And I don't again, I only met her twice. She said, uh, some, I'm paraphrasing because uh, I'm not smart enough to remember. Uh, well enough to quote it accurately but essentially it was the stuff that I felt in my reintegration to society after years of war uh, she said I, I just want I want somebody to love me and I don't know that I can ever have a relationship again and it was the most honest, courageous fucking thing I've <laughs> ever seen and I immediately knew that, this was someone I would have a relationship with in subcapacity for the rest of my life because it was the most astonishing, astonishingly transparent, authentic, and real fucking thing <laughs> to say that 99.9% of humans that I have experienced in my life would never have had the courage to do. And it was the courage to be a human. And uh, I'd be remiss if I don't ever bring that up because that's, that's when I knew that it, that she had become part of my purpose. Why I had been given this gift to be able to run and recreate myself and reinvent myself um, was to do stuff on behalf of people who had the courage to reach out to more people and to mobilize uh, those of us who... Have been beaten down and have lost opportunities and have been discouraged and and uh, and somehow found a way to get back up and it was like it was like my fucking wonder twin it's like I found my wonder twin uh, and yeah that's you know in my long winded way that's courage what she did in that interview HBO is cool but it that was that was way that was way more real. <laughs>
1: Well, I felt the exact same way you did. Um, I told this story, and I hadn't shared this with anybody. I was interviewing a friend of mine, Gary Stoller. And um, I'll introduce you all to him after Mm -hmm. this because he lost like 110 pounds by discovering running and beat um, addiction. And uh, I told him this story about when I was going through my second divorce and I was journaling and getting therapy and things like that. And I had just kind of started this podcast and I had recorded, uh, very emotional, um, just, just very emotional, uh, just an audio track that was along the same lines of what you were talking about and I still have it and I see it in uh, this folder when I save Mm -hmm. these podcasts and I've never, I don't know. I think I've never wanted to go back and listen to it yet. And I don't know that I need to, because I know that some of those fears in the moment and some of that expression of I'm never going to find love again, never going to be loved again, Mm -hmm. just had to get that out. And I just wanted to go along this journey with you and just tell you that, yeah, I've felt that (laughs) too. And it's, it's, it can be a a very deep ocean to swim in for sure. Yeah, hell, we ought to rename this in the Lonely Hearts Club. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I I, I remember that uh, that you brought that up last year, Matt. And mm-hmm. I think that
1: there's, um, and I'd forgotten about that recording. I yeah. had done that, um, yeah. that. That's probably four years old now. Mm. I think
0: that I think there's the that's the
1: value proposition
0: though to to try to um, you know to, to try to speak in in, you know, in terms of the way that you operate in the business world like what's the value proposition of being honest or being you know in a non-contrived uh, way uh, it's I think it's uh, what I found in, in, in writing my book you know writing my autobiography which I was loath to do for a number of years because if you're just writing to a particular niche or you're speaking to a, a niche or you're engaging a niche group, be it running, the military, climbing, uh, business. Uh, I think anyone, anyone with any general level of self-awareness has to ask themselves, is the energy that I'm expending to do this is the juice worth the squeeze? Mm -hmm. Right. You and I both been divorced twice. Um, you know, Quinn and I have talked about relationship struggles. There's nothing unique in that. It feels that way when you're going through it. But what I would suggest is what's of far greater value, Matt, in, in, in the way that you present uh, your story and the way the people that you bring in and talk is the depth and breadth of humans who can associate and relate to those feelings and experience far extends beyond someone who's just interested in cycling, climbing or running. Uh, And when they put you in the ground, if you've reached somebody in Des Moines or St. Pete or Cape Cod, who said, I thought I was the only fuck up who'd been (laughs) divorced twice. This guy you know, not only does he have a cool radio voice, Matt saw the kind of shit. I mean, but not only does he have a cool radio voice, but he's he's been down my path and he gets it. You know, that's that's why Quinn's, of of the heaps of interviews that I saw her do, that's the one that resonated with me the most. By far. Thank you. I mean, yeah. Like, and, in, in, you know, there's a there has to be some reason it can't just be chaos theory that we all end up in the same Mm -hmm. room but that was one of the most profoundly important things that you shared last year is probably why you have found some value in sitting down talking to quinn
1: and i are you are you ready to fall in love and be loved
2: yes i am But it definitely was something, I mean, your body, your whole, like, I was very focused on a a lot of the image of who I was and my identity, of course, like as this incredibly fit athlete who's so capable, I don't need help doing anything. I'm fine. If you don't want to do the garden, I'll do the garden. I'll build the house. I'll do whatever. Um, So my identity was tied to my ability as a physical human. Um, And I definitely was struggling with that in the hospital of recognizing, like, Quinn is still in there. i just have legs that no longer work. I'm shorter uh, to be simple about it, <laughs> but I'm still very capable and still very lovable. But that has taken me a long time and it's still something that ebbs and flows. Like I feel like the, the time that has I've gone away from this injury, the better I am with it. But it was a hard process to realize like you're still a lovable human.
1: <laughs> Do you remember when that started to change?
2: Hmm. Well, I kind of forced myself into it right away. I had never done online dating and I was like, I need to get over this dude that i had been pining, you know, like this human that I was dating before I was injured. We dated for four years and I was imagining that was where I was going with my life with him. Um, And so I thought, well, I will thrust myself into online dating. And that also really helped in that, like, I had to own up to the fact that images of me are in a wheelchair. So I had, like I wanted to be honest with those people, but that forced honesty within myself to own up to the fact that this is who you are, so put it out there. Um, and so I did a little bit of that to some success or mostly not. Like, it's not really that <laughs> enjoyable. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still a human that likes to like naturally interact with somebody like, oh, we, I met you and we get along. Hey, and it just turns out now we want to hang out again. Um, Yeah So I don't know Online dating is hard for me And I know it works for people But It was good for me To just force myself Into this situation That was uncomfortable On many realms And just get over myself Get out of my own way
1: (laughs) So what was your um, Profile Like how did you (laughs) Describe yourself
2: Uh, I had some She had a filthy um, Tinder pickup Yes Of course I did
1: (laughs) Hey, uh, send me uh, that. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was an all leather mostly. <laughs> um, You've heard of swingers? I'm a runner. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Go Um I love Bear. it. <laughs> um, I definitely had a combination of like, I definitely threw a picture. I think a picture of me like in my hand cycle because I wanted to show like I'm still athletic. I'm still getting out there. Um, maybe a picture of, of me before and just was honest about like, hey, I'm. I'm paralyzed, but I still do stuff. I don't know. That was really that was really challenging for me too. Like, who am I? Because at the time, I don't think I yeah. even knew, and that's a hard question to answer.
0: <laughs> I think about half the time we hang out and talk is about relationships. Yeah. <laughs> she she yeah. always she always tells me when I'm onto someone good. <laughs> I'm onto someone good right now. <laughs> Love you. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. Like that's yeah. I mean, I think it's. You would think that when Quinn and I do our circuits around the lake for fun, which now seems like bullshit to me, like what am I doing going around that lake if I'm not counting laps? Generally, we meet at the lake and, and we just that's when we that's when we hang. I don't. We don't often talk about climbing or running.
2: No, but that's always been for me, like for me, I yes, I'm a very physically endeavored person. Yeah. And I like to do activity, but I also yeah. my background is psychology and that's just I guess my human interest yeah. is like I just found as a young adult, I found that the best way to interact with somebody or to actually have a engaging, as Josh would say, human conversation <laughs> is sometimes people need to let that guard down or be distracted by something else. So yeah, if we're yeah. running, if we're biking, yeah. it's like you're <clears throat> also releasing a lot of testosterone and endorphins and things that naturally maybe let the mind make connections where it wouldn't otherwise if you're just sitting having coffee
0: I think what I think why I like that and why I value our relationships so much is that it's we already gotten to the club right I've already got we're already in the VIP realm like we know we we know we do these things so she may con me into you'll have what well, I don't know what it is that you caught me into this summer where I, I dropped you guys off and I drove over mountain ranges. Then I had to fucking run back over mountain Ra- r-
2: I made him do Rollins Pass because I wanted to bike over. and So I was like, you should run over. It'll be a great adventure for you.
1: Yeah.
0: It was <laughs> logistically uh, enlightening. And uh, but it was awesome. It was awesome. And that was where I met part of her trike gang. But those are like, that's just like the, uh, the common denominator. We're always doing that. I, I don't, you know, the stuff that we've been working on with longs. you know, eventually we're going to get her back back where she belongs, up on top of it, and, you know, started scouting out different routes, and I would conscript bewildered, unsuspecting people to come help us, and <laughs> we would push a little bit further, and I got you up to the boulder field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is huge. I mean, that's anyone who's been on longs uh, to know, the mechanics, just the sheer mechanics of what Quinn's working mm-hmm. with. But what I love about spending time with Quinn and our ilk is that when we're doing that, we're not, it's not like being in a room full of obsessive runners or cyclists. We're not talking about it. You're just talking, about, we, I can talk to her about anything while simultaneously pushing boundaries and, do, and doing difficult things. And um, I don't know why. All of a sudden that now seems like such a fundamentally or or such a cataclysmically important event, but it is. I don't ever remember doing a physical event with Quinn where she and I were talking about bullshit, like Strava segments or like, like doing it for the, for the purest joy of it. And I don't have many people like that that I know. I don't, there's just not a lot of people. Like that, that we can, you know, I've never found it charming when someone's fucking bike derailleur <laughs> broke five miles up <laughs> into a hike. There's generally nothing clever about right. that, but with Quinn, it's like it's like you know, just like yeah, it's uh it's just part of the adventure. It's part of the gig, and you're like, hey, let's let's uh let's see if we can fix this, you know, <laughs> um, and that's why if you if you're in her space, you're you're you were lucky for being in that space, and Jimmy McAllen and Wade Morris and, and Jason Anton and you know all these just brilliant people uh, that I know um, all adore quit. and it's it's a uh, it's a it's an amazing experience to be on the uh, whatever fucking space shuttle trip we're on like whatever whatever stuff we're doing like to to do that with you because i never think of this as a work i never think of it like a like a sponsor obligation or i have to go run this fast or it's just hey man it's like being a kid it's mm-hmm. like being a kid in the 70s for me like i'm just running around trails skin my <laughs> knee getting stung by fucking bees telling <laughs> dirty jokes getting lost and then you're like, oh, I'm just doing it with world-class athletes. And every one of us uh, adores her and, and and wants to do
1: what we can, you know, to be in that space. I want to use this for a second to go back to Quinn and not necessarily dating. But um, when I've interviewed, I interviewed my friend um, Michael Jackson about um, race. And <clears throat> we just tried to make the conversation just – Two guys we went to college together and just how, how would you like me to talk about this? How would you like me to like not say, oh, I don't see color and not address it? Because you, know, his advice was that really doesn't help mm. him. And not necessarily in the dating context, but if one human who is uh, that meets you or anybody that's differently abled how would it how would they communicate and either be inquisitive or empathetic without being condescending or on the other side pretending that the chair isn't there so wh- how for like a teachable moment what would be
2: I love advice this. I love this yes <laughs> I could rage about a whole bunch of it please um <laughs> well step one I think like like for instance I get a lot of Oh, I was in a wheelchair once. And these come from strangers. Like, you know that... What do you mean once? Right. Like, I broke my leg and I was in it for six weeks. You're
0: being discharged from the ER. Right.
2: So I get a lot (laughs) of those conversations. But I think, like, the starting point is, number one, like, if you don't know the human, don't dismiss them. Don't ignore them. Just, like,
0: Uh, uh, hi. And don't project.
2: Yeah. Just say hi, like whatever's going on in your room. Like I had a lady, oh my goodness, this story of a woman. The in, woman
0: at the pool? Yes. yes. Should
2: I tell that story? Is that awful?
0: Oh, please tell it. <laughs> what a
2: bat. I was working out at the at the rec center and before I went swimming, I did a little yoga or like sit-ups and whatever. And then I went into the locker room and was changing into my swimsuit and this woman came running in with a water bottle and she's like, I think you forgot this. I was like, no, actually, that's not mine. And I'm like halfway naked. I'm getting dressed in my swimming suit. Uh, But then that's when she said that lovely... Phrase of I know what it's like To be in a wheelchair My daughter was in one I was like Okay I will listen <laughs> Okay <laughs> um, I will listen And she just went <clears throat> Right Thanks like, for conflating
0: <laughs> To other people's misery so You're yeah. spot on now you're
2: I find a lot Right Like on. people are either are trying to be Complimentatory and, and they're not They're condescending Or they have their own beef And they're trying to get it Off their chest And so Yeah I just let her talk For a five minute or so And I just said Thank you so much Nice to meet you I'm gonna go swim now Um and I was like, I think I said something relatively like, you might know what it's like to be around somebody in a wheelchair, but not always being in a wheelchair. I think I might have said a phrase like that in a kind tone. And I came back from my swim, and there was a note in my locker that said, you know what, I might not know what it's like to be in a wheelchair, but you might not know what it's like to be molested as a child, and this whole raging scenario. Right.
1: Stack ranking tragedy. <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> my hurts. <laughs> More important than yours.
2: <laughs> so step one, just talk to me like a human. And yes, you might have a story to share, but you're a stranger. So maybe if we have coffee, we can talk about your molestation and my disability. Um, <laughs> but let's let's get to know each other first um, before we dive into that shit.
1: How about we talk about the pool workout? Yeah, exactly. But first,
2: yeah. Uh, <laughs> but thanks
0: for that charming bit of writing that you've left anonymously <laughs> in my locker. You insane psycho. Oh,
2: um. <laughs> But that's just, like, step one, I guess. If you don't know me, just, if you don't know anybody with a disability, just don't assume that they need your help. Step one, just say hi and yeah. ask questions. Like, how Is are you today? Is this your water bottle? Is, yeah. No.
0: Okay. It's somebody else's.
2: <laughs> and step two, uh, where was I going to go with that? Uh, I don't know. Just, and then if you, yeah, if you are friends, like, as you get to know each other, I'm okay with questions. But that's yeah. just what you ask. Like, you're human. Like, hey, Quinn, if I ask you questions about yeah your disability, do you mind if I do? And I would say most people would say, yes, please go ahead because the more you know, then the more it helps us navigate our life and just being having patience for like, ah, Quinn didn't show up to the meeting today. Well, probably because she's pissing herself all day Yeah, because that stuff happens with her. You
0: know, (laughs) (laughs) all the time I've known her, I think I've only put my foot in my mouth with you once regarding the injury Hmm. because I just look at you like – you're my sister you're you're my bestie (laughs) I got literally and I'm known for saying some dumb shit Matt I mean you know me but I think in all the time we were together it was maybe this fall so we we were doing one of our loops around the lake and you had some like really nice socks on (laughs) these are like really comfy looking socks and uh, it was around the time of the fire that's what I remember we were like it was before we got evacuated but it was cool. It was chilly. And you had like some – like you had these like really kind of cool hipster.
2: Like leg warmers. Yeah. like Yeah.
0: And uh, we <laughs> finished up and we just hang out by her van. And she's nice and lets me pretend I'm helping. And <laughs> and I'm like, those must have kept your feet warm today, girl. She goes, I can't feel my feet. I'm like, god damn it
2: god damn it what's just normal <laughs> I know like, but I'm know. thinking like I
0: love that that's the first time in all the time that we've hung out because I don't look at you as someone in a wheelchair or like not to not to use the reductive say like I don't see color I clearly know she's in a wheelchair right but I it just it's not uh, it's not our relationship is is not at all our relationship. I can say something stupid like, "I hope your feet were warm." She's like, "I can't feel them." Don't be an idiot. <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, I've only done that once in, in in two years, you know." And if you look at her as she is, then you're not gonna try to come up with rank ordering misery stories. Like, I, I know what it's like to be in a wheelchair. I have no idea what it's like.
2: Right. We don't know what it's like being a person of color because yeah. none of us are. Yeah. Yep.
0: And I think if you just have generally a good heart and you don't make it about you, I mean, that's, and you're just like, she's my friend.
2: (laughs) Right. And a lot of that comes right from like other people's insecurities or shame. Like so much of that is people's shame of like, well, I got to make this situation better. So I'm going to tell them I know what it's like, or I'm embarrassed to be around you and I don't know what else to say. So "Ah!" like you're just vomiting about these phrases, but how about just Hi. (laughs) What's your name? I mean, mostly, mostly <laughs> right. Most
0: close circle up here is just it's Quinn. You Whether know, it's Bronson or Whitmer or me or he's like yeah, and that's cool. I, I think maybe until Matt framed that question, or you guys went down that path, because I knew you were going to talk about the pool lady. Like, <laughs> I think like it's it's so nice, and maybe that's a uniquely Estes kind of cool, laid back. I, nobody's up here. Like I'm gonna take a picture with a wheelchair girl, and post that. Like to be so I'm progressive, and you know, just like your friends, were quite well aware of pre October 2017 in post October 2017. But I can't think of a singular event that I've been with you in a social setting where that's ever come up.
2: Which is a good thing because unfortunately right like i am a very physical disability but we all have our disabilities and our hindrances so if we can all have that kind of empathy or just compassion for the fact that we're all different humans and maybe mine is very physically visible but we all have our shit going on she can
0: roll into any restaurant or coffee shop here matt and no one makes a big ordeal
2: if i can get there the town needs some work
0: absolutely on 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 accessibility whoops and i would and let you you know far better than me but i it just the spaces that we've been it's it's nice it's just nice that quinn is i mean she's so revered i was sending an email to uh edc some of the power brokers in town that are going to help us secure this high school track 6.30 Six thirty this morning. I'm begging people to give me that goddamn track, and uh, and I'm doing. The, I'm like, I don't presume I know whether or not someone knows you, and you know. So I was asked to give like an executive summary of the Wings for Life Run, and I'm like, When Oh yeah, everyone knows you, like every and every and they don't. I mean, I've been—you know—it's not a bunch of charlatans and fakers and people trying to project some type of progressive understand. It's just like you're in this town. People love you for you, you know, and that and that little filthy Tinder yeah. Like, <laughs> no, but people, people
1: love you, Quinny, because
0: just like, yeah, I know Quinn. We did this thing with her and Tommy out at the Y, or
2: yeah. That's been hard for me emotionally, though. I don't know how we were talking about me and my injury so much, but that's been hard for me emotionally in this town. Like, I noticed I just finished a road trip and I was in Durango, and I was, like, just more apt to, like, less uh, internal dialogue. Like, when I go to the grocery store here, I'm like, who's going to see me? Who's going to, like, talk to me? Who's going to – because there's so much history of myself here as an able-bodied human that people write, know my story, but also know me or – I don't know and I also have my own internal dialogue which is probably projecting of like my nervous anger or whatever it is but when I was in Durango that's when I noticed it last week and I was like I'm not talking to myself or having these like nervous anxiety moments of like who's gonna see me who's gonna talk to me who's gonna like like I have all these like negative internal dialogue like if this person says this one thing like but I didn't have that and I was like ah like maybe it would be best if I moved away from this town so I could like refresh my brain of like a new human why
0: don't you think you just recreate it somewhere
2: sure else I,
0: and, <laughs> and I and I would tell you I think your level of self-awareness is extraordinary I've run into her outside of Safeway and she is a but she is <laughs> a tense Bucket
1: of nerves. I hate the grocery store.
2: I know, either. well, especially yeah, in small it's, town. It's, it's, it's <laughs> never a wonderful
0: place. But she looks like me getting ready to kick down a door in a safe house in Baghdad when she's getting ready to go to Safeway. She is. She is. Like, I remember one time we talked for maybe like thirty seconds. You are like, I got to get this, this, and this. I am like, yes,
2: ma'am.
0: I am stepping out of the way. So I mean, I can see the manifestation of of that stress, you know. But I don't. I don't know. I think it's just cumulative and it would just build up somewhere, somewhere else. Sure. Yeah. And, and I would do want to offset it by like you are
1: dearly loved in Estes. Mm-hmm. You know. There might be something to that. Cause I think about <clears throat> people that like I grew up in Pueblo and it was a fine place to grow up, but I don't go back. I don't have family down there and I don't disparage it. I just don't want to go back, and <clears throat> there might be something to that about starting over as you are, not as you were. Mm-hmm. Someplace, yeah. You know, maybe moving is pretty drastic, but you know, as you've described it, that does tend to make sense to me.
2: Right, like maybe going back to these towns, like right or here, like mm-hmm. people knew who I was before, and it's not, and it's definitely an identity I loved, and I wish I could still be, mm-hmm. but I'm not and I'm changed and maybe it's the, the reality of other people who had that connection with you prior in your high school times or whatever it was and they're just digging for that connection again but it's like no longer the human you are.
0: If, if I may, uh, it's, a, it's an extraordinary question and I think every listener should pose that same question. to So I think maybe why I have a different viewpoint, in that is in my own trajectory, both the ascension, the fall, uh, the, the rebirth and the rebuilding, I think it's easy to be reductive and to say, I would like to go back to a time or go to a place where people didn't know about my addiction to opioids. I would like to go back to a time where people only knew about my, you know, successes in, in combat and, 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 and know that part of me as a military officer or any number of places. Uh, at, at age 50, though, I think when the, where I sit right now is that the people that matter to me, the people I love and care about, the people that I truly value, know me holistically. And those are the ones, those are the only ones fully capable of loving me because we know what we're like after the injury, right? If they can weather that storm, you know, they're, you know, they know what you were before that. They know the heroic stories in the, uh, you know, and again, the reductive highlight reel. I, I think... I think I value most the people that I love and care about that know me uh, as both the hero and the anti-hero. Mm-hmm. And I think to do anything else, I set myself up for failure because I'm still, uh, I'm still a composite of some of those lesser angels and those lesser qualities. And why just recycle that process over and over again? That's, you know, that's how I feel. I think I wish I'd known you before, but I love who you are now. I care about who you are now. And, um, you know, I think part of it is just our innate
1: desire for escapism (laughs) at times. It doesn't sound to me like you want to um, disappear from Estes. I'm just hearing that it's nice to not have the comparison
2: yeah I think that's right
1: that Durango or Tempe or wherever you go that you're living with this every single day but somebody's seeing you from zero mm-hmm. and they're not seeing you from four years ago they're seeing you and you know the, I don't know how old you are but that life before it's just it can be refreshing just to have... The clean slate or the, the blank page for a weekend or for a week yep wow the this brings me to the other thing i wanted to talk about is motivation <laughs> and uh i my roommate kevin and i bark about this all the time <laughs> when there's the <laughs> you know the inspirational quote orama on Instagram and Facebook and um, what I've had to learn through my journeys and um, divorces and getting fired and ADD and things like that is that I'm, I'm calling it the motivation myth <laughs> that the shit you've got to that's deal a, with that's a, that's a very kind antiseptic <laughs> <laughs> is that the things we have to deal with that I'm always going to be anywhere from perky to excited to enthusiastic about the, the hill I have to climb, whether literally or, or metaphorically. And I wanted to get your thoughts on where that lands and sort of your perseverance in what you've had to deal with, with your experiences. And, and again, kind of going back to, and I hate like the, the, uh, the articles that start with Webster's define so-and-so, but I thought the bravery question was, was fascinating. And I do not That's want this shit to be writing. But yeah. I don't, don't want this to be a dictionary podcast, but you know, when, when you think of motivation and, and applied to the, the self with both of yourselves, what does that mean? And how do you interpret that?
2: I'm such a bumblebee that motivation just seems inherent. Um, and I'm trying to think of, yeah, like there's times when I'm not. Previous to injury that I wasn't motivated to run or like this morning I wasn't the most motivated to swim. But I guess I don't, I don't know if we're-
1: Do you address it explicitly within your mind or journaling? How do you get through that?
2: Getting through the lack of motivation? Yes. Uh, I usually just, like this morning I was like, I got shit to do, it's fine. And I, but I think that's learned. Like I think Mm. in my twenties, I was definitely like, that internal dialogue was definitely, you shoulda, coulda, shoulda, coulda, go, go, You you gotta make up for it somehow. I think that was the internal dialogue. And I think I definitely still have that dialogue, but I don't know. I have a lot of nerve pain or like I had my COVID shot yesterday. So swimming this morning, I was like, you're fine. I don't know. I didn't put too much internal dialogue about it, which is probably a good thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think most social media is nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is. I mean, it's, um, it's designed to perpetuate a myth. Right. I'm a sponsored athlete. What does that mean? Not really much. You know, I'm not a captain of industry. It's if you uh, have an obligation to present an image uh, uh, because of financial, um, contractual obligation or just perception, then you are by definition uh, dishonest because you can't truly sure. and fundamentally be yourself. There are very few athletes let's distill it down to that there are very few athletes that aren't to some degree full of shit with the way they present themselves i mean i know on the running world most of them and it's you could be a good person and still have to play the game Uh, but to suggest otherwise is completely disingenuous or as we would say in new england you're full of shit right so um the, the, mytho, the, the uh, motivation mythos, uh, it drives me crazy, like the pseudo activist mythos, or you're presenting, I hate the term highlight reel because it's just been played out, but that is essentially what you see in social media in terms of posting whatever metrics you performed at that day, or to talk about a certain placement. It's uh, the functional equivalent of identity politics this is, this is who I am And my value is based on how I finished at Kona here Or where I finished at Western States Or how fast I could do the nose um, And once you've done that for a while You're like, that is that's some bullshit Like some days you don't want to train Some days you don't absolutely want to get out of bed Some days it's not fun at all And I actually feel sorry for folks who uh, whether it's a prison of their own making or one that they've been forced into are two-dimensional creations that are projected through social media and at this point in my career where i don't need the money and i don't need that validation i have um i'm blessed to be in the position of only working with you know, companies or people that I really genuinely just like as at a human, at a fundamental human level. And I have, I have, you know, had, I have had, a, you know, fallouts with companies that had, you know, a certain amount of expectation for posts and tags and those kind of things. And you're like, <laughs> I don't know that I'm doing anyone any favors. Whether they're a pro, amateur, hobby jogger, if they think I get out of bed every morning, uh, and and take my apple cider with my smoothie, do my dynamic stretching while I'm filling out fucking Sudoku and <laughs> reading Fidior Dostoevsky to feed my mind, and then running twenty miles and and being quite jolly about it, that's, and then fucking bullshit. it's, bullshit. Y- it's nonsense, <laughs> you know. And I think it's it's part of. As as a Gen Xer, this morass of unhappiness that I see with many millennials, this dissatisfaction with life, this cynicism, is because the comparison game. And I mean, that's not new. I mean, you go watch The Social Dilemma and see (laughs) how that's created. But we're not doing anyone any favors as athletes because we're feeding the fucking bullshit. We're feeding the lie most days. Oh, look at this grand picture of me traversing the knife's edge on Meeker. Here's me doing, you know, setting some new FKT. We feed it. We feed it. You're not good enough. You need to do better. You're not happy. Why aren't you happy? If you were more fit, you'd be happier. You know, if you wore my cool stuff, you'd be happy. So the the motivation thing I uh, is really one of my pet peeves, if you couldn't tell. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, It's I think it's unhealthy as hell.
1: Well, I see it when i when it finally clicked years ago in this sort of the same category of eat less exercise more is that you don't have to like it it just has to get done and i think if it's just nothing but forced enthusiasm it's not addressing the real way that you feel because it's it's snowing outside today and it could be you know your race could be this weekend it could be cold yeah and to try to trick yourself into being excited about it instead of just being honest and going look i don't really like this at all this is (laughs) going to be difficult i'm not going to enjoy it but i still have to move forward and get it done it's not sexy matt what do you think about like now i'm going to sound like I'm.
0: Diving headlong and dragging you guys into a conspiracy theory. (laughs) And then we build a culture around that to perpetuate that lie. If you have the right gear, training will be easier. If you have the right coach, they'll be able to work you through those tough days. If you have this recovery device, it'll be be better. There are so many people with skin in the game from a financial position, in my opinion, that have only one desired end state and that is to force you to do those activities if you choose to identify yourself as a runner or a cyclist or a triathlete um just i would challenge you to do this anecdotally run through your feet on one day and just skip a tally of how I many people you think are full of shit and then have people <laughs> tell the truth I mean, honestly you know that's how i met my girlfriend she sent me a text it's like that's the most real like why don't more people say that I'm like, they probably can't afford to like you know they or they you know they have to they have to play that game but uh, like I yeah it's not always there's a lot of stuff associated with our associated sports uh, that get tied up into that myth of motivation like that somehow a moral ethical or mental failing if you can't get jazzed about running around in the fucking snowstorm out here. Like, in fact, I question anything you say if you're like, "Man, I, I'm so stoked." Is it going to be raining again when you run 24 hours? Man, <laughs> oh hallelujah! I can't wait.
1: Yeah, who are you lying to?
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> Mostly they start. It's you start with yourself, right? You start yeah. lying to yourself, and then you yeah. perpetuate that. And the last thing I'll say on that point was. I have friends that I have met through social media that say, thanks for just being honest because she makes me feel bad about not being enough of a feminist. He makes me feel bad for not doing enough strength and conditioning training. And that if you're party to that, if you're part of that culture, then you're part of the problem.
1: that's all i got <laughs> we should talk about the event real quick so it is What's coming up in a month right uh
2: beginning of may may 8th and 9th right yeah
1: and i'll post links to wings of life and uh one thing i heard with uh, your call with 5280 is people can join the team virtually from anywhere and you mm-hmm. don't have to run 24 hours you can walk you could cycle you could do anything to join the team
2: yep exactly join the team the actual like sanctioned run is mm, sunday morning whatever time it was, it's early here in colorado because of greenwich <laughs> mean time uh, it's like four in the morning or something um it is crazy to well five in the morning i think is when the run starts f- if you live in colorado but that's why i'm like you can join us on saturday and still participate in this event Or just
0: give us money <laughs>
2: spinal cord research money
0: well yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think um when you heard us talking to 5280 like last year i believe we glimpsed the potential matt like quinn and i are blessed enough to have enough of a social media following that it that people are aware of what we do beyond the confines of colorado but the, the great partnership with Wings for Life is that you can, you literally can do something at a local level and have a global impact. And that's it sounds high minded, but there's very few endeavors where mm-hmm. you know um, we can. You're going to be there on the ground, being bored out of your mind. Now <laughs> you know, I'm going to
1: run with you. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even bring my shorts. <laughs> oh go. yes,
0: please. do. <laughs> yes. yes. awesome. I might need backup. Um, like yeah if I soil myself on the golf course again Um, (laughs) like like we this year we're excited because we're going to have a a, a more uh, a larger and and broader local presence Uh, but our hope is that through conversations with with you and, and 5280 and these other amazing people that are helping us out that someone who's never met us you know, in yeah. Transahel, Africa or Thailand is going to be like, who are these kooks? Like the, the Wings for Life world run is is cool enough, but these guys are going to do it for for 24 hours, you know, which is which is rad. You get to be part of something special. Yeah. You know, and this is at the end of the day. I mean, this is it's about her. You know, it's about it's about what she can do and um, the message we're sending. But anyone in the world. Can be a part of this. You can be on our team. You can join our team on the app, and that's pretty cool.
2: And you're helping millions of people in the
1: world. Yeah, that too. That too. Yeah. Well, it's it's so exciting to be back here again, and to do like a 3D podcast again. Yeah. How cool this you, is for man? Me. And to have it be, <laughs> you know, a year after the Human. last one. Yeah. yeah. So. Thank you so much, Quinn. Joshua, we'll see you in a in a month. You
0: can tell the audience what what vehicle you're going to roll up in here. <laughs> <laughs> the dragon wagon, the shaggin' wagon. Man. The wagon. <laughs> he's got he's got he's got a cool he, he's got a cool van trailer uh, no, kind my of trailer. Yeah, a
1: teardrop trailer. Ooh, it's called the dragon wagon yeah. because there is a dragon on it. Sick. Yeah, I've been looking so it's gonna at be some like teardrops. Will Will
0: Ferrell on, uh, in old school. I like it. Yeah. Dragon. Keep us on the DL because the uh, Street Dragon's not quite, not quite street legal.
2: <laughs> it's going to be
0: the right next to Yorg and Kendris. We're going to have like a trailer park by the end of this.
2: School, don't worry about it. It's fine.
0: <laughs> Look the other way.
2: People will yeah. mostly be clothed.
1: Just uh, bring yeah. solo cups.
2: I'm going to yes. tell you, the faci-
0: I'm not going to be real popular with the facilities manager when this is over. <laughs> <That's fine. laughs>
2: we'll leave it better than we found it.
1: All right, y'all. Thank you. (laughs) Episodes of this podcast are produced and written by me, Matt Sodnikar. The intro was engineered by good friend Cole Weinman. And our original score theme song, Retro Funk, was composed by previous guest and good friend, Randy Wiaffe. I also have two requests. If you like this show, please share it with a friend who you think might like it. And also take the time to show them how to listen to a podcast, either on Apple, Transistor, or Spotify. And I know you know somebody out there that would make a fantastic guest. And if you do, please shoot me an email to podcast at thewarmfront.com. Thanks for listening.